Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Monsters Who Murder, Serial Killer Confessions. With Amanda Howard and Robert McKnight. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Monster 2 Murder, Serial Killer Confessions. I'm Rob McKnight. You can find me at Rob underscore McKnight on Twitter. And I'm joined by the serial killer whisperer, Amanda Howard, who you can find at Amanda Howard 73 Hello, Amanda. Hello, Robert. You won't find me on Twitter, but I am there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you like things occasionally. Yeah, so I, I, do. I see Every you pop so often. Up. <laughs> yeah. I go on about once a month. <laughs> However, I am on Twitter every day. Oh, so. my God. At 3 a.m., 4 a.m., 5 a.m., 6 a.m., I get in every day to all of your regulated posts. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I've got those as well, but even the ones I just do uh, myself. Hey, Amanda, speaking of social media, this week we're looking at the Grinder yeah, so using uh, the social dating app, I will use that loosely. Um, <laughs> we're looking at Stephen Port and how he met some of his victims and how they ended up in his apartment. Social bonking app. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, he's a fascinating case because unlike last week uh, where Todd Colhep was pretty much ready to confess and pouring out everything, this guy does not want to confess. So what we'll be able to watch is the police interrogation and see if they can finally crack him. So that'll be interesting and that's coming up soon. Meanwhile, let's get to the news. And Roy Norris, famous for being one of the toolbox killers, has died aged 72, just two months after the death of his accomplice, Lawrence Bittaker. Norris died of natural causes while serving his 45 years to life sentence. Amanda, we covered the toolbox killers in one of our very first episodes. It was a chilling episode. It was very full on. Um, This was an evil man. Yes, and um, our episode was probably the one that we got the most hate mail for purely because we did play um, some of the recording of one of their victims that was being brutalised at the Mm. time. Um, But these two men, I cannot believe that after all this time they've died almost, you know, at the same time and yet Lawrence Bittaker had a death sentence and Roy Norris had a life sentence. So it just sort of kind of proves, and this is what, what I'm doing with this big research project, it really doesn't matter because so many people die of old age on death row. And you are doing a big research project at the moment, looking at all serial killers. It it actually came from one of our news items, (laughs) which was the one a few weeks ago looking at the Zodiac sign. Someone researched 300 serial killers, spent two years doing it. Amanda has, in the space of two weeks since that report, 
Uh, she has gone through 2,500 serial killers all by herself and got not only their star signs but their um, – what else have you got, Amanda? Oh, I've got um, the age they were when they were first arrested. Thank you. I've got um, things like uh, – where they were born, uh, how how long between capture and uh, sentencing and all of this sort of stuff to just look at basically each killer's timelines to see how long that they kill for, how long it takes to be captured, how long it then takes for the court case and how long they then sit on death row before they basically die of old age like these guys have. So lots of insights coming from that. Amanda's very good with her stats, so we'll bring you up to speed with that one as it all comes together. Meanwhile, a homeless man has been convicted of two strangling deaths after waiting 10 years for his trial to commence. Lucky Ward has been labelled a serial killer by police, accusing him of killing five people, but he only stood trial over two of those deaths, 52-year-old Rita Long and 40-year-old transgender woman Carlos Rodriguez, who went by the name Gypsy. Amanda, what do we know about Ward? Um, well, he's been in prison for quite some time now, waiting for, for these trials. Um, he appears to have um, taken the time to kill these people that, as we've said, they're transgender. So we're not sure if he's killing them because he knows they're transgender or if he's killing them once he finds out that they are transgender. Um, but he's actually quite a clever killer. And whilst he's been in uh, the county jail, he um, was found with a shiv and was able to show the officers how he was able to escape from his own prison cell. He says, I'm not going to do it, but I just thought I'd let you know that with this shiv, I've actually been able to use it not only as a knife, but as a way to get out of the prison cell. Really? So, yeah, so he's, wow. he's a bit of an interesting character. And and knowing that he's been in um, the Harris County Jail for so long I actually went googling him to try and find how long he'd been there and I couldn't find him because his name's actually not Lucky Ward it's Luane Johnson so ah mm, so he has two names um but there you go so it's it'd be interesting it's interesting he's a very smart man but he was homeless um and you also said there's something you said where he took his time with the killings tell me about that well, because um, a lot of the victims that he, he took were either sex workers or homeless people, he knew that no one was going to care about them being attacked. So he was able to spend more time with his victims. Right. I mean, he's, he's, he's only been... Um, uh, he's been found guilty of one so far, but there's up to six killings and the defence team are actually saying that they don't have enough evidence to link him to the other suspected killings. But... Each, each week that there, there seems to be something added to his case. So going through um, the county logs like I've done today, um, there is more cases that they're about to go to trial for him. Oh, that's interesting because there was a big point made about the fact that uh, even though he's alleged to have killed five people, only two have gone to trial. Um, we know we've talked often about killers spending decades on death row and even dying while waiting to go on, mm. you know, to have to capital punishment against them. But it seems unusual to be waiting this long for a trial. Ten years is extraordinary. It is. And um, I couldn't find out why he's had to wait so long, but I think it's more about I think there's been delays and then there's been um, bits and pieces come through that they've had to process and there's been appeals and there's been, um, you know, delays and delays and delays and delays and so I think it's just about this is the way that the US court system works is that you can just spend decades in front of a judge with nothing happening so yeah right um but if he's sentenced to death which is what's actually 
on on the cards. It's going to be interesting to see how quickly the other cases come up. But at the same time, they often, if they have him for one, they don't bother with the others. Mm. Well, an innocent man has been released from jail after the prosecution's case fell apart. Leslie Merritt Jr. was charged over a spree of freeway shootings in Phoenix, but it turns out a serial killer was most likely responsible. 12 News has more. In 2015... There is a real and continuing threat to... Arizona motorist. One of our vehicles was shot on I-10. Living in fear. Somebody's shooting the cars on the freeway. A spree of random shootings on I-10 in the West Valley, leaving drivers on edge. DPS arresting Leslie Merritt Jr. The governor tweeting, we got him. Investigators claiming Merritt Jr. was responsible for four of the 11 freeway shootings, holding him in solitary confinement for nearly seven months before the state's case fell apart. I'm the wrong guy. I tried telling the detectives that. Authorities released Merritt Jr. and prosecutors dropped all charges against him. Around the same time as the freeway shootings, a serial killer on the loose in the Maryville area killed nine people in 12 separate incidents. The investigative team has found probable cause to arrest 23-year-old Aaron Sacedo. Police ultimately arrested Aaron Sacedo for those deadly shootings. Now, new documents that Merritt Jr.'s attorney is filing claim DPS possibly overlooked evidence linking Sacedo to the freeway shootings. The documents filed in a civil lawsuit against the state for the wrongful arrest say license plate reader data identified Sacedo's car at at least two of the freeway shootings locations. They also claim investigators should have known Saucedo was a suspect because his gun was, quote, not in pawn at the time of the four shootings. Both Merritt and Saucedo pawned their guns at the Mo Money pawn shop in Phoenix. DPS investigators seized eight guns in the freeway shooting investigation, including both of theirs. But they claimed Merritt Jr.'s gun, not Saucedo's, was a match, meaning now, nearly five years later, the freeway shooting case remains unsolved. What an embarrassing bungle. Oh, my goodness. And really, it actually come down to the guns. Of They had both pawned their guns and they decided that one was the match and the other one wasn't, and yet the other one was already a serial shooter down the road. What do you know about this serial killer, Aaron Susuedo? Well, I mean, it's it's still early days. He's actually been linked to one of the thrill killings in, in, in the other shootings and the victim was actually his mother's partner. So that's how they sort of linked in. But his car was seen at several of, of the um, attacks in this case and so they're starting to realise that there's so much more involved and uh, the papers um, that have, have just gone through with this wrongful conviction case actually goes through all of this stuff that that this innocent guy saying, yeah, but you told me that, that you got this other guy. You, you, you told me that we got Saucedo because of the gun, because of the car, because of that. So why am I in jail? You know, <laughs> and it's just incredible that for, I think it's about eight months, he's he's been behind bars waiting to go to trial when at the same time this other guy has been captured for the other killings and they're now saying, oh, well, actually it's exactly the same, same gun. Sounds like someone had come up with the conclusion and was trying to make it fit. Yeah, pretty much.
Now for something a little bit different. The name Ivan Milat is known around the world after his brutal killings in the Bilangalo State Forest came to light. But Milat's brother Bill says we've been pronouncing the name wrong all this time. According to Bill, who spoke to the Sunday Telegraph, the Yugoslavian name should be pronounced Millet. Thoughts, Amanda? Ivan Millet. I don't even know where to begin. Bill obviously has to get his, his name out there. He does it twice a year, every year with a new fantastical story. This time he's run out of ideas, so we've got to say, you're, you're saying his name wrong. Like, really? 25 years he's been doing these interviews and it's getting to a point that he's starting to lose any sort of idea of what he wants to say. It's like, oh, you're saying our name's wrong. The fact that we've been on TV 400 times between then and now, now I'm going to say that you're saying it wrong. So you think it's a load of BS? It doesn't matter. Really, it doesn't matter. I mean, you and I have have fun with some of these names every single week that we do this podcast. <laughs> Whether it's Malat, Malat, whatever, he still killed seven people at least. Sorry, I was very impressed with myself the way I said Aaron Susuedo a moment you did ago. Very good. <laughs> I, was... I was waiting to go through that one with you, but you did well. But yeah, I mean, Bill does this twice a year. He gets on Channel Seven and says some incredible story that has no weight, no bearing on the case, provides no insight into anything, and this time it's, yes, let's call it Millet, not Millet. Mm, Okay. In a moment we'll have our psychological profile on Stephen Port and a big thank you to everyone who is subscribing through Patreon. We've got a, a lot of new subscribers coming through that are helping us continue the fine work Amanda does on this podcast. And, and you, Robert. Thank you very much. I just ask questions. You have the <laughs> insights. But uh, we're uploading more bonus content. Uh, I've got an- another episode to come up this weekend. Uh, Amanda and I are recording another bonus episode right after this and so we are trying to do as much as possible to make it worth your while so go and have a look at the tiers at patreon.com slash mwm confessions and see what suits you we'll be right back if you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery think again juvederm volux xc is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime even better this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment no maintenance required improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with juvederm volux xc for important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. These interviews are a little different. Let's go for it. Let's cut some throats. And they are very, (laughs) very honest. And I do believe that that was the real beginning of us breaking up. It's a celebration of media with tall tales you have to hear to believe. Simon used to fly up into a rage. Join media executive Rob McKnight for a brand new podcast where you never know what will be revealed next. McKnight Tonight, part of the TV Black Box podcast feed. 
Fun, insightful interviews from a watchdog producer with nothing to lose. It's night tonight, but night tonight, but night This week we head to the UK for the case known as the Grinder Killer. Stephen Port was given a whole life order sentence, what we call in Australia never to be released, for the murders of at least four men across 2014 to 2015. Amanda, I came across this confession last year and was keen to do this case. Can you give us a bit of background on Port? Yes, I love how you say, you know, I'm really keen to do a case and you give it to me and you don't realise I have 25 years of, <laughs> of cases set up. But anyway, but just But you come through, through anyway. This. I do, I do. So, um, yeah, Port was sentenced to life, as you said, um, for, for four victims, but he's suspected of so many more. Um, he was using the gay social app Grinder as well as others. You know, he was on Facebook and Tinder and all of those as well. Um, what he would do is actually meet his victims at pubs and stuff and they'd go back to his apartment in Barking um, where he'd give them a drink and then one of them would be laced with like GHB or something like that and once they were unconscious um, he would actually rape his victims. So at least four of the men that he had come back to his apartment died um, from either drug overdoses or because Port had actually killed him. Um, He tried to cover his tracks with most of the killings by calling ambulances or faking suicide letters and stuff like that. So this is a really different sort of killer. And um, it's going to be interesting to see how we pull this apart because they've died usually not because he has choked them but because he's given them such a massive amounts of GHB. Right. Well, I'm sure we'll hear more about that during his confession, so let's get started. On June 19, 2014, Port poisoned his first victim, 23-year-old Anthony Walgate, in his flat. The pair had met after Port called Walgate, who was an escort, asking to meet up. The pair spent 30 hours together when Walgate appeared to be suffering an overdose of the drug GHB. Port dragged Walgate outside of his apartment block and made a triple nine emergency call. The ambulance for the address of the emergency. Cook Street is a young boy. Looks like he's trapped outside. I don't know. Outside of which number? Uh, 4758. Sorry? 4758, I think. 47, Cook Street. Yeah. What, what area? Barking. Looks like he's trapped or anesthesia or something. Just always just drunk. Like, yeah. I'm just holding up my card. I've got to get my card on the parking. Oh. Right, don't worry about that. What's the telephone number you're calling from? Hello? 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 Hello, the ambulance service. Well, the cover okay. right there. Confirm the location. Oh, I'm just doing it right now. Um. Where was it that they were outside of? Uh, Cook Street. What's your number? I don't know, I just, I didn't look. Uh, you said it was seven before. Yeah, so it was, yeah, what's for seven? Yeah. So Do you uh, think that they had a seizure, is that correct? It's the, um, no, 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 no. Yeah. Yeah. So were you passing by in your car? 
Yes. Okay, and you've drove past now, you're no longer there. That's right. How old did he look, roughly, sir? Twenty. Do you know if he was awake? No. Do you know if he was breathing? No, I don't know. Did you see anything happen at all? No. No. You just think they possibly had a piece of room lying there on the floor? Yes. And thanks for letting us know. We'll get someone there as soon as we can. What a way to begin. I, I don't think he really thought that through. No, so it's quite interesting that do we have a person who doesn't want to kill because he's rung the ambulance, he's dumped the guy outside and thought, right, I'm just going to call an ambulance and say, say there's a guy outside apartment buildings, come and get him and hang up the phone. That's what he expected to happen. He didn't realise that the ambulance was going to ask for so many different details. Mm. And even when they said, you know, like, what phone are you calling from? He hung up. So when the ambulance guy rung him back, he's like, oh, oh, you know, like, have you got my number? <laughs> yeah, they don't realise that when you ring any of these, it actually comes up on on their system who, who you are and where you're ringing from. People don't realise that. Um, so he has totally stuffed this up. He just thought, you know, shit, this guy's overdosing. I don't want anything to do with this. I'm dumping him outside and just saying I found a drunk guy. Um, but it didn't work out that way. So what's going to happen next? Well, it's interesting you just mentioned that you think he maybe wasn't trying to kill this guy. Is that why he called the ambulance? Is it an accidental death? Well, really, you have to consider that because he has made the effort to um, ring an ambulance to have this guy's life saved. You know, it, it, it seems that way. It seems that what he's actually doing was, shit, I gave him too much of, of the drug. I don't want him to die definitely don't want him to die in my flat because, you know, you don't start with a killing. This is something he's done for quite some time. He's raped many other guys after after giving them the drugs. So he has tried to sort of do something to save this guy that, you know, he's, he's almost a, a reluctant killer. That's quite interesting. Could that, with his um, motivation, be giving these guys drugs, having his sexual pleasure with them and then releasing them. So he may have actually had a lot more people through. It's just at times the drugs, he's given way too much, too many drugs. Is that well, what we're saying? Well, it's it's also likely that uh, these people that he's having come home have probably taken drugs before they've even met up. Mm. So, you know, and so, Got if, you. You know, so that if, would... If they're taking something like some rush or something, yeah, and then they take some GHB on top, it's going to actually throw them for a six. And, you know, he doesn't know that they haven't t- taken a few, you know, blue tablets and stuff as well. So it's interesting that I think this began as accidental and then it happened again and again. Well, eventually CCTV images of the men with Stephen Port were found and he was arrested shortly after the fourth murder. Let's go through the interrogation. So did you, did you have any involvement in the, uh, the death of the male that we just spoke about a short while ago, Gabriel Cavari or Gabriel Klein? No, I did not know. At all. No. Were you involved in administering any drugs or poisons or noxious substances to him? No, I don't administer drugs to anyone or give drugs to anyone. Um, that's done at the party by someone else. The name I recognised when I played it before was... The He's normally at the parties and deals with uh, administrating drugs. 
straight off the bat, it's jarring to hear such a gently spoken man when we know what he's done and to hear him speak so gently, it's so jarring. Yeah, and he he, he sounds exactly like um, someone I, I used to date and I'm not even going to go <laughs> there. But anyway, it just it, it, it sounds like him so much it's actually quite surprising. Um, but this is the point I make about serial killers so often. They're not aggressive. They're not heinous. They aren't the monsters that we were expecting. You know, if, if, if he come at these victims, you know, all aggressive and, you know, I, I want this and you have to do this and everything, they're going to say, yeah, mate, fuck off. I'm, yeah, well, I'm, actually, I'm you've made here. that point time and time again. Yep. If you look like a monster, people aren't going to give you the time of day. It's the people that don't look like monsters who are friendly and chatty. It's everything we think a killer isn't. Exactly, exactly. We, 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 we want them to look like that stereotypical, you know, with a scar down their face and a, you know, a long cigarette and a cape and, you know, a pointy moustache and all of this sort of stuff. It doesn't happen, you know. And here we have a guy, he's actually sitting there quite meekly, actually. He's, um, he's sitting forward at the table. In front of him is all of his his documents, um, going through the statements and everything, um, which they actually reference quite a bit throughout the interview. Um, and so most of the time we actually see that the, the top of his head, there's two officers in, interviewing him. One of them is completely off camera and, and, and the other one we barely see as well. And I don't know if it's to hide their identity or if this is just the way they sat the cameras up in England. Well, I think it is because on that video there is a picture-in-picture picture and the wide shot is completely blurred. Yeah. So it does seem to be an identification issue. Yeah, yeah. And and Port is actually wearing disposable white coveralls, so they've obviously taken his, his clothes for evidence. Um, and he's wearing a grey jumper sweater, whatever you'd like to call it, over the top. Um, but he is just sitting there, like we see so often, very still, very calm and very softly spoken, just mm. just there to basically just talk, even though he knows he's been arrested for the deaths of four men. Well, the tactics of the English police will be very different to those of their US counterparts. So it'll be interesting to compare this interview to the others that have gone over the last few weeks. But unlike other killers we've seen, there is a massive difference in the way in the way Port is talking. Let's have a listen. Normally at the parties, deals with uh, administrating drugs. Who's that, sorry? Uh, Daniel. I can him. He sometimes he's at the, he deals, he hands out the drugs to uh, the guests. Daniel, this is the male yeah. that we spoke of earlier. So, I think he might not be the same guy, I really don't know, but he's only Daniel. So they're actually talking about Daniel, the guy who deals the drug, the guy who deals the drugs. What is Port actually doing here? Well, Port's actually uh, trying to point the finger at, as 
like a totally different person. So Daniel is actually Who's ends dead. Up, well, Daniel actually ends up being the third victim. So um, it's very easy to point the finger at a dead man. Mm. Um, but Port's not being asked about the deaths. So this is not about killings to Port. But it's about the fact that there were some men who died from overdoses. So he's seeing this from a very different perspective than what we normally see of someone sitting there. We know they've raped and stabbed and killed. This is more about a rape and an overdose. So he's trying to say, well... I didn't give them the drugs. Daniel, the guy who deals the drugs, was the one who gave them the drugs. So the fact that they were at my house when this happened, I'm not responsible. So um, he's trying to make that point clear across. And, um, you know, and where we've seen other sort of answer yes or no sort of things, um, Port actually used 80 words instead of one when he's asked a yes or no answer, which is very rare. We usually see them shut up and clam up and mm. don't talk. But Port's waffling, so he's enjoying talking to him. And I love English accents, so I don't mind listening to him, regardless <laughs> of what he's talking about, which is quite horrific. Um but the officer just lets him him talk, and he doesn't try and cut him off like we've seen in 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 the US ones. They they're just letting him waffle, and um, they're just hoping that Paul will, will slip up because he's giving these vague rambling answers. Mm. And did you go with Daniel to meet people? No, no I knew he was doing the same as I was. I've seen him at the party and would, there's a brief conversation with him about it, but I've never actually engaged with him outside of a, a place. Outside of the party? That's right. And which parties were these? Well, Scott goes to the fat parties. Scott's parties? Yeah. The fat parties? Fat party, F-R-A-T. Frat parties. All right, I got no idea what you heard. Well, Port says about Daniel that he was doing the same thing I was instantly. He's saying that we're both going to these um, these frat parties and we're picking up young men and we're raping them after we're drugging them. He doesn't say that outright, but he's saying that this guy was doing the same thing as I was. So you know, so it's, didn't he? Could he not have just been talking about the drug dealing? No, because he was talking about going to other parties and picking up young men. And there's right. drugs involved. So, you know, both of these men were likely predators. Um, so they were drugging young men. They were taking advantage of them. Um, if nothing else, this is actually a sexual assault and he's just confessed to that. So, okay. but, but the officer kind of jumped on that, but he doesn't. He just lets him continue talking. Mm. Well, as we'll hear, and the officer does let Paul continue talking and it helps. So what was the first occasion that you met the person that you're, you're talking of, uh, someone that you know as Daniel? Um, I think that was one of the, f the first few occasions I was, I was there. It was the first time I bought a guy for Scott and Daniel was there. Um, I don't even know if it is the same Daniel we were talking about, but he's the only Daniel I would can recall as such. Um, remember, I think his name was Whitworth. It rings a bell, but you think his name was Whitworth? Yeah. So hang on. Suddenly he has a surname for Daniel, so he does know him. Well, 
this is a great police tactic. So they let, let the guy talk, especially as Port is doing here, trying to be helpful. This is what they do. They try and help by providing little bits of details that, oh, might point you somewhere else. Oh, yeah, I think his surname was such and such. And it's sort of it's still vague enough to say I have no idea, but someone else might know because this is an extra piece. So, you know, suddenly he knows his surname's Whitworth. But this is what they do. The officer's silence and allowing Port to, to do the talking, it makes him uncomfortable and so he wants to fill that void with additional information, which is more information that the officers need. So now he's gone from, oh, this guy who deals drugs called Daniel to his name is Daniel Whitworth. Now we're getting further into how he's being connected with this guy. So then, you know, he actually ends up being the third victim. So Port knows exactly who he is. Right, and with that death, Port is actually trying to claim Whitworth was the actual killer. How did he do that? Well, actually, with Whitworth's death, um, he wrote a suicide letter and left it with Whitworth's body, so saying that he had actually killed the previous victim, Gabriel Cavari. So it's quite ah. an interesting ruse. So the first guy, he he, he rung triple nine and had the ambulance taken, but he died. And then number two and number three, he's linked together by having Whitworth die. He then writes a suicide note saying, you know, I killed myself because I, I couldn't live with killing Gabriel Cavari. So, ah. but it doesn't work. And it doesn't work purely because Port has enjoyed what's happened and he wants to kill again. Mm. Well, the interview recording skips forward 15 minutes and the officer then shows Port a photograph of a man, Jack Taylor, who is the killer's last known victim. might help if I show um, you a picture. I'll call this CRT2. This is Jack Taylor. Do you recognise that man? This is very interesting. Take me through what's happening. Well, the officer asked, does Port know Jack Taylor? And, and Port answers within a second and he, and, and he says no. But then he pulls the photograph closer to himself and stares at it so intently and, like, it's 15 seconds of him staring mm. at this photo. Like, you either know it or you don't, you know, but he touches the picture with, with one hand and his other hand remains in his lap. I mean, consider that. And then um, he gives the photo even more attention, you know, and it doesn't require it. So, again, he's he's trying to appear helpful by sort of saying, oh, you know, let me look at it harder as if it's going to change my, my, my thought process because he wants to be helpful and make them find the right man and make them turn away from him. But... It's it's like a child trying to lie when they've eaten the chocolate cake. He's really doing his himself. Uh, him, he's really doing himself a disservice because he's trying to be overly helpful, and this is often a, a key in, indicator of someone's guilt. What do you mean by the significance of his hand staying in his lap? Well, you know, he's he's looking at one of his victims. He's looking at a photo of them, and. You know, one hand's almost caressing the photo and, and the other one's 
you know, still in his lap and we can't see it. There is likely that there is a twitch going on or something down there that Arousal. he's a bit, yeah, a bit excited about what he's seeing and going through what he had done. So it's it's mm. quite possible. Well, he has murdered this man, but he remains dismissive, even looking at the photo for so long, as you mentioned, and he continues to do so. I don't pay full attention to the guy's faces when I have paint change of the um, parties. This, um, but I don't recognise his face. So, so you don't recognise his face? I do not know, no. And, and I mean, they, that's Jack Taylor, so you don't recognise no, Jack Taylor? No. So, have you ever slept with this male? No. Has sexual intercourse with him? He doesn't look like the type I'd go with myself. He's not the sort of person you'd go for? No, I tend to more. He's more younger, junky boys, more, you know, more younger boys, but not, uh, he looks older. similar to the type I've taken to, to parties, but I don't recognise him as being one of them. So you don't recognise him as being one of them? No. No. Okay. He barely takes his eyes off that photo, even as the officer again takes it from him. Yeah, he almost sort of doesn't let go. He he keeps his hand on this photo the whole time. But now he's playing the game of he's not my type because he's too old. Mm, like Taylor mm. was actually only 25. The other victims were 23, 22 and 21. So, I mean, it's not really like this guy was 60 or something, you know, but he's so obsessed with looking at this photo, you know, and we've seen it on, on TV, you know, that the killers won't look at the photos, you know, but that's dramatic licence. It's supposed to give that air of guilt, you know, I don't want to see it, but we're looking at him staring at this photo. It's the antithesis of of that monster that that we keep referring to. He's like, you know, oh, you know, maybe if I look at him closer, I might be able to help you and, you know, something might jump out at me. But they know they have their man, you know, but they're just going to keep it going for as long as he's going to play with this charade because... They just—it's—it's it's so obvious, and 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 the tougher questions are going to come. But he's like, you know, oh no, I've never seen him. He's not my type. I would never have had sex with this guy, you know. And and they're just sitting there going, yeah, right, lies. <laughs> well, you mentioned tougher questions. Here's where the officer starts going in. And, and Jack again was was found dead. It was on the, 20, on the 14th of September. 2015. Now, something very interesting happens in this video right here, doesn't it? Well, yeah. I mean, this whole time Port's head's been down and it, his head re re remained down even when the photo of Jack Taylor was taken away. But the officer says, you know, and Jack again was found dead. But Port doesn't even realise, but he nods. You know, he's like, he then goes, oh, oh, really, this guy was found mm. dead. But he'd already like agreed with that statement and gotcha. he, you know he had no idea he'd, he'd done that it was tiny but it was obvious if you know what to look for okay let's go back to the same point and i'll let the clip run longer here and, and jack 
again was, was found dead. It was on the, 20, on the 14th of September, 2015. Stephen, did you have any involvement in his death? I did not know, no. Did you kill Jack Taylor? I did not know. No. Did you administer any drugs or noxious substances to him? I did not know. With the intention of causing him harm? So you've never seen him before. Is that right? That's right. That's right. You know, lying 101, isn't it, don't be so earnest? Yeah. I mean, Port continues to look at the photo of Jack Taylor that the officer is now actually holding up in front of him. Um, But every single time he says no, he looks directly at the officer as if, look, I can't be lying because I'm looking you straight in the eye, you know. (laughs) People who lie don't um, have eye contact. It's a load of shit, you know, and he's actually trying to see if the officer believes him. But he continues to look at that photo between each no. He's not taking his eyes off Jack Taylor. Now, look, the publicly available video, it only has sections of the full interview. So the next part of the tape skips to the following day, just after midday. They're just over an hour into the second section. Port is still in the same white overalls and grey jumper he had on yesterday. They are now going through the maps of where the bodies were found and its close proximity to Port's home. In fact, three of the bodies were found in the cemetery of St Margaret's Church, just across the road. Okay, I've got another map here, CRT8. I'm just trying to show you as many maps of the area because it's not easy to get it all on one, one uh, piece of paper, just so that we're, we're clear, really. Uh, and again, it shows your uh, home address and it shows uh, the church, St Margaret's, and the, the, behind it you've got the, uh, the abbey and the primary school. In particular, the area around um, the walls of the abbey. Have you ever had any reason to go into that area? Have you ever been uh, through into the Abbey? Uh, no, I haven't. No. no, I don't generally go to church areas. No. no. I think I went, went, one, once went to that church. With my ex Danny, went to the church on a, on a Christmas day, um, went into the church, but that's as far as I got. Amanda, again, the officer is just letting him talk. So again, he adds more and more info. Yeah, I mean, the officer says to him, have you ever been to that church? He goes, no. Then he goes, oh, oh yeah, I did. I, I, I went with my ex. And, you know, it's useless information to add, but he continues to do this to fill that void. He doesn't want to let there be silence. And so he just continues to talk. And this is how he's going to slip up. And the officer knows just to let this happen. Mm. Well, then the officer pushes a little harder. You've not been into the grounds behind it where you've got the the uh, old abbey oh, no, no, looks walls. No, it looks a spooky sign. Won't go there. You've never, you've never been in that. No. In all the eight years that you've lived across the road from the park. No. I thought it was all private. I couldn't go there. I think it's a private area. I thought. Belongs to the church. But it's, it's fairly open, isn't it? When you when you go past, would you agree with that or not? In the fields, yeah, the yeah. fields, but uh, the church bit behind the walls, I won't go 
Lost out. Port's not taking the bait here. No, he's trying to be, you know, this meek and mild, timid guy, you know, oh, it looks spooky. No, it's private land, you know, spooky. I can't do that. <laughs> you know, you know, it, it, it belongs to the church. He, he doesn't want to appear like someone who would go and walk through a cemetery. Like literally this is across the road. I Google walked it and three of the four <laughs> bodies were found there. The other one was found outside his apartment. You know, they, they know that the killer lives very, very close. This is the geographical profile and that we've sp- spoken about before. For. And he's going, oh, no, I wouldn't go there. It's spooky. I lived here for eight years, but I wouldn't cross the road. Mm. Well, the officer really starts pushing even harder now. Three of the four people that have been found dead were found uh, slumped up against the wall here of the Abbey. Pardon? Yeah, I didn't know that. You didn't know that? So that's news to you, is it? Three bodies were found against a brick wall opposite your house. Surely you'd know about it. It makes news, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, we all love gossip. Look at the the toilet paper fiasco that's currently going on in this country. One person bought a lot of toilet paper. Everyone has to go and buy it. You that needs tell a bit me. of context. <laughs> okay. We, in Australia, the coronavirus is big news everywhere, but in Australia it has led to a shortage for some reason of toilet paper. Shelves have been cleared from supermarkets of toilet paper. You cannot buy toilet paper for love nor money. People have been tasered by police because scuffles have broken out. One woman produced a knife trying to get toilet paper. I saw um, some video today of another woman just taking... A guy had a stack of toilet rolls. She grabbed one of his bags. It has gone... Cray cray. You want to know what the end of the world looks like? Just look at what's happening in Australia right now. So that's what Amanda's referring to. <laughs> yes, and you don't need toilet paper if you've got coronavirus and there is 17 no. people in in New South Wales currently with it. 17 people, you know. But anyway, um, but we we all like this gossip. We, we like to know what's going on around us. And you cannot tell me that if three dead bodies were found across the road from you in quick succession that you wouldn't have gone over and had a scope or asked the guy who lives next door. Surely, you know. But Port looks at the officer and he's so earnest and he goes, you know, no, nope, no, nope, I had no interest. I didn't know it happened. You know, gosh, he says. You know, he's really just trying to sound like he has no idea what happened. You mm. know, and even the officer asked him to repeat that gosh in shock and he couldn't do it because he knew it was stupid. He knew that he'd be unable to sort of go, oh, gosh, I was shocked by that. (laughs) Well, look, we're now getting down to it all. Did you put them there? No, no. So obviously Anthony was found slumped outside your address with uh, a large amount of GHB in his system. The other three men we've been discussing were all found over by the wall area of the abbey, we can see on the map. Uh, Again, all of them were slumped against the wall with a large amount of GHB in their body. Can you account for that at all? No, I can't. Sadly here, Amanda, the interview was cut short again, so we only get to see a small portion of Port's answer. 
Yeah, I know, but he's still trying to be short about it. He's he's actually saying, you know, it's a it's a coincidence that four gay men were found right outside my house, and you know, I've been found responsible for raping and drugging homosexual men. Mm. I mean, he thinks it's all a coincidence. Well, trying to give that illusion. Um, So the tape begins again. It's later on the second day. Port has changed into new trousers but still has on the grey sweatshirt. The officer now asks Port about the suicide letter found with Taylor's body. I mean, Stephen, did you, did you write this letter here, CRT 11? No, I didn't. The photos of it that's found with Daniel? No. No. Definitely not. Are you telling us the truth, Stephen? I'm telling you the truth, yes. About the letter? Yes. Port isn't swayed, is he? No, he's not. You know, he's he's sitting hunched over. His hands are between his knees. You know, this is basically a comfort pose. You know, it's as close to the fetal position you can get while you're actually sitting up. So he's comforting himself. He's he's trying to appear smaller. You know, he's staring at at, at the photocopy of the um, suicide letter that he did write, um, and he knows he's trapped. Now he can now confess or not, and he has to make this decision. He knows that they know that he knows that they know kind of thing. But he's, he's, he's still going to keep trying that. He's he's trying to self-comfort. He's trying to see if they're just going to say, okay, you know, we can't break you, that's it. But it's not going to happen. Well, with that not working, the officer takes a different tactical style of questioning. 100%. About all of these boys. Yeah. Young boys. stages of their youth really in terms of in their early 20s all found dead Stephen I understand but close to your house one of them had been in your house either just before at the time when he died and was found to have large quantities of a drug in his system the other three were all found just over the road in the churchyard or just beside the churchyard in that area that we've discussed, yeah. propped up against the wall, a short distance from your house, all again with high levels of GHB in them, enough to kill them. Highly unusual way to die for one person. This is four, all found very close to where you live. All men, young men, the type of men that you say that you find attractive. All now dead, Stephen. <clears throat> I said, Anthony, I know nothing about how they come to be. Stephen, this is serious. Okay. It's really important that you tell us the absolute truth. He's on the ropes. They've got him, don't they? 
Well, Port has been very still during the questioning, but now as the officers are laying out all the evidence in front of him, it's like when they're in the court case and this is closing arguments. This is the moment he's going to drive all these points home, you know, and, and Port tries to agree with some of them, but, you know, his legs starting to shake, he's moving his hands around, you know, he's basically waiting for the moment where he can say, yeah, I did it. The officer is saying to him, come on, we know you did it. But they're still playing the game slow. They they know that everything's there. Now Port has to decide if he's going to confess or if he's going to continue to deny what's happened. All right, let's go back to the recording and see if Port does tell them the absolute truth. Nothing about they were free how they come to be. Stephen, this is serious. It's really important that you tell us the absolute truth. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've told you so far it's true. The... Damn it! He didn't confess. Nope, he doesn't confess. So he claims that everything he's told them is the truth. You know, he was there the whole time he's he's saying to them you know it's all coincidence yes these men were found in my house yes I had had sex with some of them yes they were my type but no it's just all a coincidence you know but at the same time while he's trying to be the calm person he's been for two days he's shaking he's moving that you can see Mm. the adrenaline is is coming but he decided not to confess So then the interview moves on. We're at another day, the third day of the recordings, and the pressure is on. The officer goes through his internet search history. Why are you searching for boy drugged rape? And that search, I can tell you, or some of those searches occurred during the evening of the 12th, shortly before midnight, and then some of them occurred in the early hours of the morning. Later on in the morning, after four o'clock, and onwards later on that day on the 13th, on Sunday the 13th, the time when Jack Taylor is either dead or dying, you're searching for her boy drugged rape, etc. Why is that? Um, no, just generally looking for still porn. Um, that's not general porn, Stephen, is it? You're specifically searching for videos of porn to do with people who are either asleep or have been drugged and are being raped. You've typed in the word rape, haven't you? Uh, yeah, that's just... That's not just searching for... Random videos, specific things Nothing specific. Is that right? Yeah. It sounds quite specific. You, you were searching for these videos um, before Jack came over to the barking area, and then when he was in the barking area, you were searching for these videos as well. Is that because you were with him? No. And that you just drugged him as well? No, I 
that. Were you watching these videos whilst having sex with him, raping him whilst he'd been drugged? No, definitely not. Definitely not. You can tell the officers are fatigued here. There's almost an anger in their voice. Yeah, well, we've seen that uh, the softly approach didn't work. So now it's mm. time to play bad cop, you know. And so they're actually showing uh, Port that they have gone through his timeline. They know what he was doing before he picked up these men, what he was doing during the time he was with these men and what he was doing afterwards. They've been able to show that he has looked up the specific things he did to these men on the internet as porn searches. You know, he's he's trying to say, oh, you know, it's just some random things I looked up. Um, but it is showing him that he can't keep saying this is a coincidence, that this is getting too close for comfort. You know, he knows he's, he's cornered, but he's still going to fight for his survival because he believes that if he continues to say that he didn't do it and denies all these allegations, they can only go so far. So this is why they're bringing up this sort of evidence to say, well, hang on a sec, we've been through your internet. Mm. Well, in the end, Port was charged with 29 offences against 12 men, including the murders of four of his victims. He preferred his victims to be unconscious when he assaulted them, with four of them dying from the drugs given to them by Port. He was sentenced to a life tariff. Amanda, he went down fighting. He did. He he never confessed. So um, it's one of those cases where uh, there is no confession, but we can see how the police tried their damnedest to get him to confess, but he never broke. Mm. And that brings us to the end of another edition of Monsters Who Murder Serial Killer Confessions. We'll see you next week. Amanda, thank you. Thank you. 